Hello everyone, and welcome back to Runaway Eve. You know, sooner or later I'm going to get an intro song, so these intros will be a little less awkward. But until then, hi, how are you? I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I hope you've all had a great couple of weeks. Um, This weather has just been absolutely gorgeous, and I'm really actually not a summer person. I don't like the heat, but I have been, I should say, I and my seasonal depression have been absolutely loving the sunlight lately and loving the warmth so I hope you're all enjoying. Um, Today I want to do something a little bit different. We were actually going to be talking about science today. Um, I'm going to save that for uh, possibly the next episode. I want to talk about a response to, well, really a response to a response to Um, the shooting that took place in Atlanta a few weeks ago. So as we're all aware at this point, um, there was a shooting in Atlanta. I don't want to get too much into the details, um, but a couple of really important points stand out. Um, The shooter targeted very clearly, I'm sorry, very clearly targeted uh, Asian American women, and the shooter was also a self-proclaimed Uh, evangelical who adhered to some aspects of purity culture and the way that the church views sex and women's bodies and, and male sexuality and female sexuality and blah 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 all of that and I think right now would be as good a time as any to put a trigger warning on this episode um the response that I'm going to be reading does include some pretty inflammatory and defensive language. There's also a lot of ableist language. So, you know, take care of yourself and please just be just be warned. Uh, it's a lot. So what I want to do today is I want to start by giving a little bit of backstory both on the source material and then a little bit of backstory on the material that I'm reacting to um, and then just kind of yeah, react to it. Um, I I didn't really intend to do anything like this with this project, but I do think it's really important. So uh, let's get started. So to begin with, I listened to a podcast that some of you might be familiar with. It's called Straight White American Jesus. Um, It's actually one of my favorites. And one of the co-hosts, Brad Onishi, um, did a special episode with Adrian Gibbs, who's one of the co-hosts of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcasts. And Brad and Adrian are both Asian American men, and they um, sort of partnered up to do an episode discussing the aspects of the Atlanta shooting that overlap with evangelical Christianity and the targeting of Asian American women in, in this case. Now, Brad is an associate professor of religious studies and Adrian is a former uh, pastor and church planter. So the two of them, the episode that they partnered up for was great, of course. Um, And either after or simultaneously, Brad was quoted in a New York Times article. And I actually didn't read the article because I don't, it was behind a paywall and I don't pay for New York Times. Um, So I'm not sure if he was if if the the content that was being cited 
by Brad was from this episode or was from some of his other work or his other writing or some maybe a different episode of the podcast. I'm not sure. But Brad was cited in a New York Times article that is what <laughs> the material that I'm reacting to was reacting to. Okay, so the material that I'm going to be reacting to is an article or a blog post, I don't really know what you want to call it, by Jim Daly, who is the current president, CEO? I don't fucking know. The, the guy currently in charge of Focus on the Family. Now, if you didn't grow up in the culture, you might be wondering, what is Focus on the Family? So again, before I get into my response to the response, uh, which by the way, I keep calling it a reaction, I've been watching... <laughs> I've been watching reaction channels on YouTube, and I swear that's not what this is. That's not what I'm trying to do with this. It's, it's a response. It's not a reaction. It's a response. So I apologize. Let me see if I can get my semantics right. But anyway, Focus on the Family is this media conglomerate, for lack of a better word, um, that basically puts out a shit ton of evangelical Christian content and has for decades. It's actually really interesting to me that this is the way that I'm bringing Focus on the Family into this podcast. I intended to eventually do a few episodes on some of the Focus on the Family content that I consumed as a child and a young adult, but hey, no time like the present, right? So here we are. So Focus on the Family was actually founded in 1977 by this guy called James Dobson. So when I think of Focus on the Family, I don't even think of James, of, of Jim Daly. I almost said James Daly. Maybe that's his real name. Um, I don't even think of Jim Daly. I think of James Dobson because I remember that name being plastered all over uh, all of the content that I like, like movies and th there were some magazines um, which I will ultimately eventually do an episode on the magazines because there was like, I don't want to digress too much here, but there was um, Brio, which was for girls, and then the, the brother magazine, <laughs> for lack of a better word, was called Breakaway. And my brother got Breakaway and I got Brio, and I remember always um, like sneaking my brother's Breakaways, totally a James Dobson approved activity. <laughs> But I remember sneaking his because they were a lot more exciting and a lot more compelling to weird little pre-queer me. Um, but yeah, anyway, so so just think this like media organization. They do some other stuff too, but, but when I think of Focus on the Family, I, I do think of media. So anyway, Jim Daly uh, penned a response to something that Brad Onishi said in this New York Times article and something I guess that was said in a Washington Post article. Um, and basically it's this it's this diatribe about how um, we can't blame evangelicalism, we can't blame purity culture, we can't blame the way Christians view sex for what the Atlanta shooter did. Um, so that happened and then Brad actually did an episode of Straight White American Jesus responding to this blog post and it made me want to respond to the blog post myself so this is really like fucking 
indoctrination inception. Like this is like a response to a response to a response to some content somewhere um, or something. And I hope it's not too confusing, but this felt like a really important thing for me to use my platform and do today. And this is just me putting my own thoughts and feelings about all of it out into the world. So this might be a little more raw than some of my other content. This might be a little more unpolished. It might be, um, I am certainly going to have the explicit tag on this episode. I think I already, I think I already earned that actually. Um, so, so please bear with me. This might be a little more emotional. I just, I am so sick and tired of evangelical Christianity um, playing the victim when they are <laughs> the absolute opposite of the victim. And this is this is one of those cases. So, uh, yeah. And I am by no means an expert on this, which uh, it brings up a good point. I do want to um, make very clear going into this response that I am not a theologian. I am not a biblical scholar. I don't study the Bible. I don't study religion. Um, I am I am approaching this response where Brad approached his response from his perspective of being a scholar and being a religious studies professor and having that knowledge base. I am solely approaching my response from my experience in the culture. And so now that the stage has been set and now that all of the exposition is out of the way, <laughs> um, let's dive in. Let's dive into Jim Daly's blog post. So this thing is titled New York Times Washington Post Attempt to Connect Massage Parlor Murders to Biblical Sexual Ethic, which I already have a problem with the title, but the words in the title are going to be repeated in the body, so let's just continue. He starts by saying, Details continue to emerge regarding last week's murder of eight people at three different massage parlors in suburban Georgia. The alleged gunman, Robert Aaron Long, reportedly told police his actions stemmed from a sex addiction he's battling. Angry with himself, he apparently targeted women who enabled his desires. And okay, we're like three sentences in and we already need to stop because yes, not all of them were women, but to say that it was a murder of eight people and not specify once I could overlook, but the, in the very like two sec, two sentences later, you say he apparently, no, he did. <laughs> it's not apparent. He, he did. He actually, he came out and said it. Um, you, the sentence before that, you say that he told police he did this, but then it's apparently, <laughs> stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. My God, we were three sentences in and you were already giving him the benefit of the doubt. But anyway, he apparently targeted women who enabled his desires. And what kind of women were those? What specific type of women were those? Jim, tell us, say it. I want to hear you say it. He specifically targeted Asian American women. So don't try to disengage that aspect from the from the murders, from the crimes that were committed. Because you can't. Okay, Jim, you can't. So he goes on to say, 
It's impossible to fathom how someone in that position would carry out such evil and horror, but that hasn't stopped both the Washington Post and the New York Times from trying to pin the blame not just on Long, (laughs) but his supposed belief system. Okay. Okay. So, first, he has a problem with... Well, actually, first, I want to just say it. it. It's not just these two media outlets, Jim. We more or less as a collective are having this conversation i'm sorry that you feel like you're put you and your belief system are being put under a spotlight but frankly it's about fucking time the other issue i have with this statement is that there in his words it's not stopping them from trying to pin the blame not just on long so you really have a problem with the fact that we're blaming the murderer for murdering people Is that, am I misinterpreting this? I know I'm a little biased here. I'll admit that. But he's saying that, right? He has an issue with these media outlets, quote, pinning the blame on this person who carried out these heinous crimes. These heinous, heinous, fucking racist, murderous crimes. But we shouldn't pin the blame on him for doing that what and then and then the the next layer obviously is he doesn't like that people are talking about the the religion the the religious um belief system that this person was a part of and and he also again he he's using all of these like qualifiers he he says his supposed belief system so what okay i'm gonna save no i'm gonna save that for the end i'm gonna save that for the end let's move on so the next, the next little section. In short, reports in both papers have alluded to the 21-year-old's self-described evangelicalism as the root of his actions, specifically a biblical sexual ethic that calls sex outside of marriage sinful. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because when you have somebody who you literally catch and bring in alive, which is an entirely other conversation... But, but when you have, when you, when you know somebody committed a crime and you, and you catch them and you're talking to them and they say, yeah, I did it. I did it because of this. Um, that's, that's, that's not, that is the root of his actions. He's, he's saying that's the root of his actions. That's not something that the fake news media are, quote, alluding to. That's not a supposedly, that's not an apparently, that, that his, that's why he did it. He's saying that's why he did it. So this is where Jim pulls in um, Brad Onishi's statements. He says, Sunday's New York Times cited Dr. Brad Onishi, a, quote, former evangelical and now professor of religious studies, which it's hilarious to me that he put former in scare quotes. I want to know why he did that. Um, it's, It's funny to me. But anyway. He says, describing the religious environment he was raised in, Dr. Onishi noted, quote, we had a militant vigilance. Don't want anything in the house that will tempt you sexually. Honestly, same. He went on to say his evangelicalism, quote, teaches women to hate their bodies as the source of temptation, and it teaches men to hate their minds, which lead them into lust and sexual immorality. What? I I, want to know what Jim Daly has a problem with here, because this is absolutely 100% what Christian evangelicalism teaches people 
about sex and about their bodies and about and about their lust and about their sexual urges and preferences and desires. This is exactly what the religion teaches. So I'm not really sure if he's if he's offended by somebody saying the quiet part loud or if he is struggling, maybe he's struggling and sort of reckoning with seeing this, you know, seeing people outside of the culture call these things out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the problem is here because this is 100% what the culture does to people. He says, we had a militant vigilance. Don't let anything in the house that will tempt you sexually. One time I clicked on an ad on my fucking, you know, late 90s, early aughts desktop computer and it's a big joke now but in the time it was a pretty serious thing uh accidentally downloaded a bunch of fucking hardcore porn onto the computer and my parents freaked the fuck out i was in so much trouble as if like nine-year-old me wanted i didn't even know what i was looking at (laughs) I had, I had, I was so sheltered. I was so sheltered. I had no, I didn't even know like anatomically correct body part names at that point in my life because I was so fucking sheltered and my parents flipped out and I was in so much trouble. So yeah, don't let anything in the house that will tempt you sexually. I didn't even know what sexual temptation was and I got in trouble for that. And then he says this, this religion teaches women to hate their bodies. Uh Uh-huh. We talked about that last week a little bit. Um, as the source of temptation. Yeah, gonna get into that in more detail coming up. And it teaches men to hate their minds, which lead them into lust and sexual immorality. Yes, absolutely. You have stories of young teenage boys being forced to apologize to the young teenage girls in their lives for having, quote, impure thoughts about them. Because that's in in the world of evangelical Christianity, you can't even look at someone and think, wow, they look good. Damn, they're hot. That's sexually immoral. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not really sure what Jim's problem with all of this is when this is all 100% part of the culture, but let's continue. In Friday's Washington Post, the reporters noted, quote, Long's ties to evangelicalism shine a light into a subculture called purity culture, a belief among some evangelicals that promotes the idea that any sexual desire outside of marriage is lustful and therefore therefore sinful. Some evangelicals are taught from a young age to control their sexual urges, and if they cannot, they are sometimes labeled sex addicts or porn addicts. And again, yes, 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 I've seen this happen. I've experienced it to an extent myself. Um, I am 31 years old and I am, and I'm not married, and I am just barely to the point where I feel like I can have conversations with my mom that somewhat allude to my sex life. And that's sad. And that is residual of this culture that I was raised in and this culture that my parents were indoctrinated in. And we're going to talk about this more because purity culture is probably the aspect of evangelical Christianity that fucked me up the most and continues to fuck me up in certain parts of my life. Um, So I don't want to get into it too much in this episode. 
but it it definitely comes into play here and I think we can talk about it in terms of this person very clearly had these beliefs and had these ideas of himself and I am by no means trying to misplace blame here I am by no means trying to uh you know give him the benefit of the doubt make it okay you know take all of the blame off of him I'm not doing that he is he is a murderer and and I a racist one at that and should be dealt with accordingly I'm not trying to to make anything that he did okay but it is very clear that he was part of this culture that has some pretty messed up views on human sexuality and the role that women play in in a man in a young man uh, a young unmarried man's um sexual identity and that led to what happened and there is no way around that there's no way around that but jim goes on to say Implied and insinuated in both instances is that the expectation to refrain from sexual intimacy until marriage somehow imposed a damaging and dangerous burden on Mr. Long. I don't think that's actually what's implied and what's insinuated, but okay. He says, in other words, if he had not been so restrained and guilt-ridden, he wouldn't have killed eight people in a deranged act of revenge. Absolutely fucking not jim that's that's not what anybody's saying well that might be what some people are saying but that's that's no that's not the point here nobody thinks it's because he got sick of waiting nobody thinks he snapped because he was so horny and had no outlet nobody thinks that the problem here is that through purity culture through this very very rigid and very harsh definition of what human sexuality is and should be in evangelical Christianity, the byproduct of that is that women are property. Women are warm bodies. Women are wives. Women are moms. Women are just kind of there to satisfy whatever role the dude needs them to satisfy. That's the part of purity culture that that people don't really talk about um, and people don't really like thinking about. But it's not just about, oh, I can't have sex until I'm married. Because human nature isn't black and white like that. (laughs) And human nature can't be boxed in like that. You can try. The culture does try. But what do we see? We see... We see... (laughs) Like in my very first episode about about camp and I shared the story of of my counselor being forced by her creepy brother to tell us about how she had lost her virginity. Um, We see young people having sex and then and then being forced into feeling guilty about it. We see young people having sex and then being forced to marry that person. We see two young people getting married when they're like 18 just so they can have sex. It's like human nature doesn't work the way that you want it to and the way that you think it should and so no it's it's not implied that he was expected to not have sex until he was married and that put this burden on him and caused him to kill a bunch of people that's that's not that's not it the thing is he felt entitled to sex he felt entitled to women's bodies he felt entitled to the Asian American women that he murdered 
And that's the problem. That's the problem. But Jim goes on to say, to be clear, no sane person would do what Mr. Long did. So trying to draw any correlation or motivation between his violent actions and his supposed faith is reckless and irresponsible. No, it's fucking not. First of all, do not come in here and say the no sane person implying that only people who are mentally unwell commit acts like this. Because as we've seen, it's actually the opposite in that mentally ill people are usually the ones that have acts like this carried out against them. They're usually the victim more often than not. So don't so don't do that. Don't don't I don't even want to go to the to the fact that, you know, when it's a white guy, it's always his mental health and it's never the fact that he's a fucking racist domestic terrorist in this case. You rely on calling them mentally unwell as if that absolves them or makes it somehow well, no, not that it absolves them, that absolves you. It, it allows you to remove yourself from the situation and the person who, per, who, who perpetrated these violent acts. It allows you to say, well, that was, that was him because he's, he's not sane. Um, but the rest of us, we would never do that. That's what that is. So fuck out of here with that. Just go completely away with that thought process because I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing that in response to white men, mostly men, not always, but mostly white men carrying out these acts. I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing people say it's because of their mental health. Maybe to an extent, there are a lot of layers. Um, I, I personally think that there are a lot of things that come into play when somebody uh, chooses to keep guns in the house and, and all of that, but that is a completely different situation and that is not that is not what you're referring to when you say um that he's not sane so so let's let's not even go there um and he says so so trying to draw any correlation or motivation uh between his actions and his faith is reckless and irresponsible and again i say (laughs) no the fuck it's not (laughs) um I'm sorry, again, that you feel like you your belief system is now under the spotlight because of what this person did, but it's not. But here we get a little deeper. Jim says, It's interesting that when terrorists who profess the Islamic faith act out, there's always a strong outcry suggesting their rogue actions don't represent true Islam. I'm going to stop right there before I continue this uh, little paragraph because... First of all, act out. (laughs) What does that even mean? Say what you mean, Jim. When terrorists act out, I just, I can't. I can't. I, I don't even really know what to say about that word choice, but okay. There's always a strong outcry suggesting their rogue actions don't represent true Islam. Well, that's that's absolutely true. There are sects of Islam that are that are very extreme. There are religious extremists in Islam. We know this, but there are also religious extremists in Christianity. There there are extremists in any religion. And no, those 
outliers, those like fringe belief systems that are so far removed from the main religion don't represent the true the, the religion itself. They don't. He goes on to say, but in Mr. Long's case and others where individuals who profess Christianity attack others, reporters eagerly and enthusiastically try to draw parallels between faith and their fanaticism. I think, well, I'd love to see some other examples of where this happens. He, he, he talks about it like it happens all the fucking time. Well, maybe Christians should put their fucking guns away and stop shooting people if that's the case. But I digress. Anyway, um, that's because purity culture is not a fringe belief in Christianity. It is a core tenet of evangelicalism. So, Jim, sweetie, you are the rogue. You are part of the rogue actors and and part of the fringe fanatics in this case. Or more specifically, in this case, you're part of, you you are part of, of Christianity. Purity culture is not some weird outlier belief that no one really adheres to anymore. It is a core part of this belief system. So that's a false equivalency. And I'm not sure how you don't see that or understand that, especially when, as we're going to get to, you're going to continue to talk about how how important it is um, biblically and religiously, how important it is to adhere to only having sex within the confines of heterosexual marriage. So you so you say this, you make this statement, you complain about how you know oh when when um, Islamic extremists who are terrorists c- commit these crimes and these horrible actions, people are like oh but that doesn't represent Islam because it really doesn't. Um, but how come when somebody like this does something like this, people love to blame it on all Christians? He, he actually uses the words eagerly and enthusiastically. Um, that is because in this case, and, and again, I say I would love to see what else he's referring to. I'd love to see some other examples here. But in this case, which is what we're talking about, Jim, this belief system that caused this person to carry out this act is not a fringe belief. It is part of the culture. Not only is it part of the culture, you're going to go on and explain how important it is, how, how, what an important part of the culture it is. So this just makes no fucking sense. Nice try. Cool try. Cute. Let's move on. But getting back to the core of the issue that a biblical sexual ethic is enslaving, the opposite is actually true. First of all, enslaving? <laughs> Dear Lord, this guy just had the thesaurus sitting right next to him. And for all of these adjectives, he just went through and tried to find the most, the most shocking and inflammatory one for each word, didn't he? Enslaving. Who is saying that? Who said that? I think he's referring back to when he said, when he, when he tried to suggest that um, people are saying that this person did this crime. And committed these murders because he um, like felt trapped by the culture that wouldn't let him have sex until he was married. I think that's what he's referring to, but yeah, um, I've already addressed that, so I'm not going to address it again. I think this is bullshit, but anyway. The opposite is actually true. Curious to know. Tell us how, Jim. Jim says... Social science consistently shows that those in committed monogamous marriages enjoy the deepest level of sexual satisfaction. 
It's those who don't commit and remain faithful to their spouse who report the highest degree of frustration and relationship failure. I'm going to assume, he doesn't cite anything, he doesn't cite any sources, but I'm going to assume that this, that, that these, whatever numbers he's referring to here, he probably got from some, <laughs> like, focus on the family or a, another Christian media source, um, because this is, this is, I don't want to say it's not true because I don't know for sure and I don't want to put false, you know, I don't want to preach false information as fact. But in in my circles, in my like sexually open and sexually aware circles, that is quantifiably false because we actually see that the deepest level of sexual satisfaction comes from gay men and lesbians. Go fucking figure, right? But he's not talking about, he's not talking about like the rate at which women experience orgasm. That's not what he's talking about when he says sexual satisfaction. Are you fucking kidding me? So that, so, so that's what leads me to believe that this is, he's, he's probably, he's not citing anything, but he's probably calling on something um, that comes from a very specific um, body of research. And then he said, and then this thing about it's those who don't commit. Uh, and remain faithful to their spouse who report the highest degree of frustration and relationship failure. What does that have to do with sex? You're comparing sexual satisfaction in one sentence to frustration and relationship failure, whatever the fuck that is, uh, in the next sentence. So those things, though, you're not you're comparing apples to oranges here. I'm not sure what you were trying to achieve with this statement, but it didn't it didn't quite work because I'm not really sure what you're talking about. From there, he says, there was once a millennia-old cross-cultural understanding that marriage was the lifelong union of a man and a woman. So here it comes. This definition helped protect children born from that union. Protect. Protect children. Indeed, bringing children into this world has historically been understood to be a primary function of marriage. Okay. I would say more like biologically than historically, but whatever. In that sense, marriage, sex, and childbearing were linked in the minds of people and were usually linked in practice. And then, in the 1960s, the sexual revolution happened. The events that took place during this period helped break the iron triangle of marriage, sex, and childbearing. Iron triangle. That's... He's got that linked. I wonder what that leads to. Well, we'll come back to iron triangle. Um, the Iron Triangle of Marriage, Sex, and Childbearing, which ushered in a monumental changes uh, in our nation's collective worldview and culture. Yeah, that's why it's called a revolution. <laughs> he says it like it's a bad thing. Um, anyway, God is in favor of his creation. He created sex to be enjoyed and fulfilling within the context of marriage. It is his wedding gift to us. Hold my hair while I fucking vomit. Uh, anyhow, in so many ways, our culture is reaping the whirlwind of this departure from God's plan. There it is! There it is. So, not only is he removing what happened, or trying to remove what happened from his religious beliefs, he's trying to flip it back around and blame. I don't really want to call this necessarily victim blaming, but... In so many ways, our culture is reaping the whirlwind of this departure from God's plan. So it's our fault that this guy 
murdered all these people. Is that really what he's in, is that really what he's implying here? So, okay. This this last little bit that I read just now is is a lot. It's it's a lot. He's pulling from a lot of different things here, but the basis of what of what he's trying to say is that sex should only happen in, within the confines of marriage. Marriage should only happen between a man and a woman in order to procreate, essentially. And then he complains about the, the 1960s and the sexual revolution because that's what dissolved this, this um, you know, beautiful historical iron triangle of marriage, sex, and childbearing. And it was because of the sexual revolution of the 1960s that people now just have sex to have sex. I hate to break it to you, dude, but people have been having sex just to have sex since the dawn of fucking time, whether you like it or not. And maybe if the Atlanta shooter had felt like he could have sex just to have sex, he wouldn't have murdered eight fucking people. Like, I I just, I don't, I don't understand what point this guy thinks he he made here like he really thinks he did something with this doesn't he 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 probably typed this up and then went and had boring heterosexual sex with his wife and went to bed feeling real proud of himself but this doesn't make any fucking sense all of this comes across as whiny blaming weird ass like old school let's talk about okay i'm gonna click on this iron triangle link The Iron Triangle links to an article on the Wall Street Journal called America's Baby Bust, uh, complaining about um, us not having babies. The falling fertility rate. This is fucking peak boomerism. Like, honestly, you're, you're that. So what is the point here? Are you trying to clear your name? Are you trying to misplace blame? Are you trying to point the finger? Are you trying to say that we're not having enough Christian-approved heterosexual married sex to make more babies? Like, I I, I don't... Uh, this is all over the place, and it actually just makes me really frustrated and really sad. And remember towards the beginning of this when I made that comment about how the problem isn't with the fact that he that he that he wanted to have sex and felt like he couldn't but the problem is in fact in the extreme misogyny and patriarchy within evangelical christianity that treats women as objects and as property remember he said he wanted to murder them to remove the temptation so they weren't even human to him they were just something that he wanted to have sex with but couldn't and therefore he felt entitled to take away their lives you can see that here he says but getting back to the core of the issue that a biblical sexual ethic is enslaving the opposite is actually true and that's when he goes on to talk about how like oh science shows that you know people in committed monogamous heterosexual he doesn't say it but you know that's what he means marriages uh, have the best sex or whatever and then he talks about how if you're if you're not committed to one person you're super frustrated and you have 
failed relationships. Um, and then he brings up all that weird, like, old world, um, iron triangle, marriage, sex, childbearing, um, lifelong union of a man and a woman, all of that stuff. Like, he's trying to say that, oh, you people think that this is this culture, you know, that caused this guy to, quote, act out is horrible because he wanted sex and felt like he couldn't have it. But, but no, that's, that's not even real. That's not even what the culture believes because in reality, it's, it's super freeing being in this, in this culture. And these beliefs are, are, are good and healthy. And it's actually, you know, people having casual sex now because of the sexual revolution that's bad. It's just, it's so, like, at best, it's a deflection. And at worst, it is willful ignorance of how damaging this belief system truly is, not just to women, but to men as well. And again, I am not trying to to paint this perpetrator as a victim. That is not what I'm trying to do. But you can say he is a victim of the culture because this culture embedded him with these beliefs and maybe he would have done something like this if he had a different religious background. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make assumptions and I don't want to speculate. But his religion clearly affected his relationship to sex and his relationship to women. And, and in this case, most specifically, his, his relationship to Asian American women. Clearly. And another thing that I want to talk about that I find so fucking insidious and frankly disgusting, is Jim's insistence on using words like his supposed religious beliefs. And apparently he was a part of this religion. Like, no dude, he was. Why is it so, why, why is it so difficult for you to accept the fact that he was? And I think this goes back to, I think this is why he, he has those, those really weird couple of sentences about, about Islam and, and Islamic extreme, extremist terrorists, um, that don't really fit in with, with the rest of his, I think that's why I was so confused when he moved from that directly into, no, heterosexual sex between married people is great, um, is because, like, it doesn't fit in to serve any purpose beyond to try to paint this picture where those people do bad things and people like to say that that's not really Islam. So how come when this person did, did this bad thing, people are pointing the finger at evangelicalism? That's because this guy was a part of the of the culture. This guy was, I think he went to like a like a Southern Baptist church. Like he he was a part of evangelicalism. He was again, he wasn't on the fringes. He wasn't some extremist. He was indoctrinated in evangelical Christianity, period. And Jim, you don't like that. And so you're gonna try to deflect. Or you're just gonna try to ignore it. And that's that's what <laughs> That's what Christians like to do, though. I I went off on a little tangent on my Instagram page, my personal Instagram page, um, like last week. I went on a little tangent after I saw saw some comments on a friend's Facebook post about her own deconstruction, and the the automatic like knee jerk gut reaction is to come come rushing in with. 
oh, but that's because people are in, are inherently sinners and people are inherently bad and, and don't let people, you know, turn you away from God or whatever. And it's like, it, that's what, that's what Christianity does. They deflect rather than accept that I had a bad experience or expect that this person did a bad thing because of their, because of their religious beliefs. Rather than accept that and deal with it, it's so much easier to deflect and say, well, that was them. That's not me. And that's not God. And that's not Christianity. But it's like, no, yeah, it is. <laughs> How many times are we going to have these things happen before you accept the fact that this is indeed evangelical Christianity? <sighs> so that was his blog post. And I would encourage you to go listen to the Straight White American Jesus um, episodes on this situation, and there have been a couple. So on March 24th uh, was the episode that I that I mentioned at the beginning where Brad Onishi um, has Adrian Gibbs on the show, and it's titled Rabbi Zacharias, The Atlanta Shooter, Anti-Asian Hate and Misogyny. Fantastic episode. Um, Rabbi Zacharias is, is a whole other thing <laughs> that I am not going to get into. Um, but yeah, maybe someday, but, but not today. Um, the other episode was from March 29th called Focus on Your Own Family, Response to Focus on the Family's Jim Daly. And that was the episode that really encouraged me to do this because hearing somebody that I learn a lot from and really enjoy the opinions of and the perspective of respond so boldly to somebody I almost want to say blatantly misconstruing and misunderstanding their words um because again I think I think Jim Daly and the majority of evangelical Christianity is can be summed up with willful ignorance um but anyway Hearing Brad respond to this blog post made me want to respond to it because it's just, it's time. I've said this, I feel like I've said this a lot in this episode, but I am sorry to people in the culture who are uncomfortable or unhappy being put under the mic, being put under the microscope. And I am sorry that people are starting to speak out about the ways that this belief system has negatively affected them. And I am sorry that people are starting to see very clearly with huge examples like like this Atlanta shooting, starting to see the ways that aspects of this culture are fucking dangerous. I'm sorry that you don't like that. I'm sorry that it makes you uncomfortable. And and I I know I know how I sound. I know that I sound really snarky right now, but there are there are people who are still involved in this culture in this culture to some level or another that I that I genuinely care about. And I think that watching these people in my life sort of reckon with this and and chew on it and deal with it and move forward from it is going to be really important to me and it's going to be really important obviously to them and their and their uh, spirituality, um, but it's going to be important for my relationship with them. I was having dinner with my parents this weekend and I shared some stuff with them that I had 
never really shared with them before. And one of the things that I realized in sharing these stories with them is that my experience with evangelical Christianity and specifically the church I grew up in and sort of my experience with pulling away from that and now my experience undergoing my deconstruction can really be summed up by a lot of people that I really cared about let me down a lot. And I think that, I say that because I think that we're at this point where y'all are going to have to start reckoning with what's happening and you are going to have to start thinking critically about your beliefs and how they affect other people and how they affect you. Um, And you're going to have to start doing what I did and what I am doing, which is questioning things and, and questioning how what's right and what's wrong and and why are we being taught this and what is the basis for this and and what is the purpose of this because one of the things that you know if we're going to talk about the biblical sexual ethic there is a lot of debate about whether or not sexuality is even really talked about in the bible and and where where does this idea of no sex before marriage where does that even come from that that to me seems more of like a puritanical ideal than than anything else i mean people will sometimes point to certain specific bible verses but it's like okay we know but 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 then we but then we're just going to get into a discussion of theology and we're going to get into a discussion of what was the original meaning of this and where did these words come from and how did it get translated and and like that's that's a ridiculous thing to base something that is so damaging to so many people on. Uh, and that's a hill that I'm going to die on. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. So so this is really, we're in a point as evidenced by uh, Jim's response to uh, these these statements that are being made and, and the ways that people are speaking out. We're at a point where... Evangelical Christianity is going to have to reckon with the ways that their belief system hurts people inside of and outside of the culture. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, and I'm going to leave it there for now. And uh, again, I think the next time we see each other, we're going to be talking about science. And I'm looking forward to that one. Um, but for now... I I hope you enjoyed this. And again, I know it was a little different. The audio is probably all over the place. Um, I'm sure at points you can hear my cat in the background. Um, but I really wanted to do this as, as sort of raw as possible. And I, I wanted to try to make it as much of a one-shot, um, true response reaction, if you will, uh, as possible. And I, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This was all me. This was... This was uh, coming directly from my heart uh, and my experiences, and this all means a lot to me. And so if you stuck with me this long, I thank you, and I will see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.